Happiness is an inside job. At Happy Healthy You, Connie Bowman helps us find our way with inspiring conversations and healthy ideas for living a whole life in mind, body, and spirit. Happy Healthy You. And now here's Connie. My beloved listeners, happy, healthy summer. I hope you're having a wonderful, happy, and healthy, and fun summer. Here on the East Coast, it's been rainy and a little humid, as always, nothing new. And um, yeah, I'm, I haven't been doing a whole lot. So I've been looking for some ideas for having fun. And so that's what this conversation with our expert fun guy, Mike Rucker, is going to be about. Uh, but Before we get into that, I want to give you a little shout out about our sponsor, Blue Planet Eyewear. They're a super fun company. They provide really cute readers and sunglasses for uh, everyone. Um, They're always coming out with new styles, and I usually get a new pair every few months, and my readers disappear, so I'm always buying new ones. But they're great because they're eco-friendly, and they give back to people all over the world through great organizations like uh, World Vision, Sea International, and so many other uh, organizations um, that are philanthropic. And I just love them for that. So they make sure people have vision care, even if they cannot afford it. So take a look at Blue Planet Eyewear. And if you want to buy a pair of glasses or sunglasses, use my code Connie20 and you'll get a nice, happy, healthy you 20% discount. BluePlanetEyewear.com. Last night, my husband and I decided to have some fun. We've been in a little bit of a rut, not a big rut, just a little bit of a rut, doing kind of the same thing every day. And you know how that happens. That happens even in the summer. The days get longer and, you know, we kind of end up falling into similar patterns. And so last night we decided to go see that Elton John movie and uh, it had just come out Rocket Man and uh, we'd heard good things about it. But as we were walking up to buy our tickets, this nice man, Barry, and his friend, Terry, Barry and Terry, came up and offered us a free ticket to the the new movie that's not even out yet, will be out by the time this podcast airs, called Yesterday, about the Beatles, uh, the the Beatles never having existed. Oh my gosh, I was so excited to see that movie. I was like, yeah, we got to go to this. First of all, we have this fun thing happening where we get these uh, free tickets, and we can't pass that up. So that was fun. The movie was great. Um, It was interesting. It was interesting to see the sort of metaphysical twist. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but uh, let's just say uh, the main character was living all of a sudden in this parallel universe where there was no Coca-Cola, there was no Harry Potter, there was no, there were no cigarettes, which I thought was pretty cool. And there, (laughs) there, um, of course, were no Beatles. So it, it takes some really cool turns and twists. So take a look at yesterday when you have a chance, uh, go to the movies. It's really fun. So now let's bring in our fun expert, Mike Rucker. He is, uh, he has a PhD in organizational psych and he works in workplace wellness. He writes about fun and he has a book coming out about the subject pretty soon. And I thought it would be fun to just talk about how we can bring more fun into our lives. Are you with me? Yes, I thought you would be. Hi, Mike. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Cool. How did you, uh, 
parlay yourself into this awesome career with such a fun uh, subject. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the backstory there is uh, I followed Positive Psych uh, for quite some time. I'm uh, one of the charter members of the IPPA, uh, the International Positive Psych Association. And um, so I, I had... Uh, Way back when, when I was very entrepreneurial, you know, I had a lot of ups and downs like entrepreneurs tend to have. And so I found some of the early work of Cheek Sent Me High and Segelman and, you know, really used a lot of the strategies to, um, you know, find more happiness in my life. Um, but then three years ago, actually, come this Monday, um, my little brother suddenly passed away um, from a pulmonary embolism that was totally unexpected. Oh, I'm so sorry. And that sort of... Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, and, you know, uh, and then a couple other life-changing events. Um, I used to be a, a Ironman athlete and found out that um, just due to some genetic bad luck that uh, I had advanced osteoarthritis, so I lost one of my hips. Um, and then my wife, um, this isn't necessarily a ton of negative, but my wife um, got a great opportunity here in North Carolina where California natives um, and so we transplanted ourselves, but that sort of uprooted me from friends and family as well. So that trifecta, you know, no matter what I knew about, you know, how to manifest happiness, none of the sort of tactics um, that I learned academically were working. Sure. And so I was looking for a new way to sort of elevate um, my mood because I knew, you know, that um, in my ethos, I shouldn't feel the way I felt and um, found that. A lot of what we've learned in positive psychology are really lagging indicators, and so they're great for you know things like relishing and, and um, you know finding gratitude and really rooting yourself and purpose and things of that nature. But if you're sort of feeling empty, you know, getting ahead of things and finding leading ad, excuse me, leading indicators of ways to you know manifest joy in your life um, can be a great way to kickstart things. And um, similar to yourself. I mean, I think that was a great anecdote that you brought up with your husband. I mean, you know, I have two small children and, and my wife and I realized we just weren't, you know, creating those types of opportunities because there were so many other distractions. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, you know, one of the e easiest ways to sort of pick ourselves up, we're finding, you know, looking at the 168 hours that we have in a week and figuring out, you know, what are sort of the things that we're just mindlessly doing in those 168 hours that we can, you know, either course correct or activity bundle um, or, you know, otherwise improve so that we're creating moments of joy. And so a common anecdote that I bring up, um, you know, we realized that bathing our, ch we, we weren't in a position in life where we could afford a full-time nanny, um, but uh, we did realize that there were particular aspects of childcare that weren't, weren't breathing either side, parent or child, um, too, too much joy and fun. Mm -hmm. um, so we did realize that we had a small amount of budget to hire someone part-time um, to handle, you know, that was a lot more fun than us for our children because it was, you know, just that idea of bearability. It was, you mm -hmm. know, someone new, fresh energy, um, really great per person. Um, and because it was part-time, we could afford it. And now my wife and I, um, you know, go enjoy dinner together and reconnect, even though it's only a few hours a week, um, you know, just that active choice of creating more fun. Um, and this is a specific anecdote 
that where one plus one equals three, right? Because mm-hmm. not only were we, you know, creating more joy for my wife and I, but we also, you know, change the opportunities for joy with our children yes. because they, there's fresh energy in the house. So important. It's so good. I mean, I, I say a lot of times I'll tell my husband, one of the reasons our marriage has lasted so long, we're coming up on, oh, we just passed 36. Did we pass 36? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> one of the reasons is because we, we did get some help. We, when we were able, we hired someone to help with cleaning. And I mean, it just, it, it's such a no brainer, but sometimes it's hard to see the forest for the trees when you're in the thick of it. So um, I, I love what you're saying. And I really want to talk about some of the things we got wrong with positive psych and um, some of those uh, subjects. But um I want to start with defining fun. Uh, I looked at your website and you have such a comprehensive uh, website that is chock full of information about fun. So maybe you can just start there and talk about fun and then why we need it, why it's important for our lives. Yeah, so I mean, like all words, I'm always, um, you know, fun is certainly subjective, right? So I think I get caught up in this one where, you know, I present the science that a lot of um, sort of mindless um, entertainment viewing, you know, especially binge watching, um, isn't necessarily fun. And then, you know, people will, uh, you know, rightfully so challenge that notion because I think you certainly can have, um, find fun and joy. You know, you just mentioned it yourself, watching a movie or, you know, if you have time with your partner um, where you're watching Games of Thrones, and that's a very specific thing because the mm-hmm. show brings you joy. Um, so, you know, fun is just the activity of enjoying yourself in the moment, right? And so whatever that means to you, um, you know, the listener should define that for themselves as long as it's ethical and they're not harming anyone else. Um, you know, I think you can take sort of that root of the definition that I provided and then add your own context because certainly fun is subjective. Sure. Um, why it's important is that, again, you know, going back to that idea of a leading indicator. So there's a couple of components to there that, in my opinion, make it important concept in the idea of, you know, happiness and positive psychology. And one is that it is a very um, in the moment act. Right. So mm-hmm. if we think about fun in the context of our own lives, um, our ability to add those moments of joy then becomes an act, we become an active participant in our ability to, you know, sort of elevate ourselves and whatever happiness means, um, or joy, you know, because again, if you, and I, I, sometimes I'm always afraid of getting too far down in the weeds, but to some people, happiness is, you know, what their parents taught them for others, you know, some of your listeners, happiness might be that very academic, um, term. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always want to acknowledge that there's some people that just biologically, Um, happiness might be elusive. Mm -hmm. Um, But we've certainly seen, um, you know, that uh, people that are clinically depressed um, uh, can fill their lives full of fun as well. And um, uh, if they take, you know, if they become active participants. So um, to answer your question, one, um, you know, the, the main reason that fun is so important is it's something that we can, we have control over, you know, even when we're having a terrible day, we can make it an active choice, you know, in that evening to go find, to either wallow in the despair of a terrible day or to at least go and find fun as long as that fun is healthy, right? Mm -hmm. Because there is the pitfall of escapism. And so I don't want to skirt that, you know, for some people, 
um, there's opportunities for fun that can be harmful. But if you look for opportunities uh, um, for fun that are, you know, that contribute to your well-being, you absolutely have at least some agency to make those decisions, right. you know, depending on your life circumstances. And our, our natural propensity for including fun into our daily lives um, is a function of our mindsets, um, don't you think? I mean, we all have kind of different mindsets that we're, we're kind of addicted to. And um, yeah, it's, it, I think it all comes back to mindfulness and being able to observe, um, you know, what we're, what we're thinking about on a daily basis, and then we can adjust accordingly. So, um, yeah. And I, that's absolutely correct. I think, um, you know, to varying degrees. And again, I, where I like to clarify is that it's not going to be an absolute for everyone, right? And given specific situations, sometimes you'll need, you know, episodic periods to heal, right? Again, I right. mentioned, you know, uh, mourning the passing of my brother. I'm not suggesting that the next day, you know, I'm off on a European vacation because, you know, you should just, you know, put to rest any grieving or, you know, where life has really thrown you bad apples, right? But you do have the opportunity, you know, um, along your lifespan, um, most of the time to decide how you want to approach a situation. And so a recent study that I think backs up a lot of the ideas that, you know, I've put forth over the years um, coming out of UCLA um, is uh, uh, Professor Holmes um, just simply asked people to uh, treat their weekend as a vacation. There were no other instructions. Really, you can treat your weekend as sort of the end of the week and go into it going, okay, this is the weekend. Or you can say, hey, this is an opportunity to sort of go into, um, you know, Saturday and Sunday with a vacation mindset. No other instructions. Um, and the amount of subjective happiness, um, you, you know, come Monday of the people that approach their weekend as a vacation, as a, an opportunity for renewal, um, you know, was significantly higher. And I think that's just one micro example of um, how that simple mindset shift can mm -hmm. be used, you know, um, you know, can run the gambit of opportunities in your life to sort of just reframe, um, you know, Timothy Wilson calls it story editing and just approach something a little bit differently. So um, another anecdote is uh, that involves, you know, uh, uh, my children is, you know, like most parents, uh, the mornings getting them ready for school was terrible. And we sort of had this mindset, you know, every morning we'd be like, oh, just not looking forward to this, right? Um, and I realized, you know, based on academic rigor and then, you know, wanting to put that into practice, like, wow, I think we're really part of the problem here. You know, like it's yeah. not, I'm not trying to change objective reality that our kids are gonna always struggle to get ready, right? Well, they can be little slugs in the morning. I'm sorry. I, exactly. They can be slugs. It's so hard. I feel I've been there. I know how hard it is. <laughs> well, and there's a great meme. It, I think it gets, uh, you know, uh, resurrected every six months. I think it's like an hour long video of a slug going from the left to the right of the screen. Oh, I haven't seen been, that. Oh, that's funny. It, it, it's my kids getting ready for school. <laughs> yeah, so uh, a great metaphor. But uh, um, yeah, so we just, uh, you know, made the mindset shift to approach it playfully. Nothing really changed. Again, objectively, there are still pretty tough critters to get ready. Um, but 
you know, we play music and, you know, if something kind of goes awry, we try to playfully sort of course correct the behavior um, instead of, you know, we're using carrots instead of sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the outcome for all four involved, uh, you know, is just a better result. Um, and again, I, I want to be clear that objective reality really hasn't changed that much, right? I mean, oftentimes we're still late, but our attitudes, the four of us, as we, you know, go off um, during the school year, I take my daughter to school and my uh, uh, wife takes um, our son to uh, uh, preschool, you know, we're all a lot happier. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, because, and so I think the clear distinction there is, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, you're candy coating it. Not really. Um, because again, you know, I, I, I'm admitting that objectively not much changed, you know. Um, uh, but I do think objectively, probably the four of us had a better, you know, have a better day overall, um, you know, once you culminate the data. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. I want to, I want to, at the end of the podcast, I'm going to ask you maybe to give us some hacks, some simple ideas for changing, uh, increasing the happiness quotient, the fun factor in our daily life. But before we get there, um, are we, are we actually having fun? Are we having any fun? Do you have any, any research or any stats on, um, particularly in this country or are there countries that have more fun? What's, what's the, the truth there? Do we know? No, so that's what's interesting. You know, similar to any good researcher, I think another thing as I was going down and trying to sort of uh, solve my own ills, there is certainly a research gap with regards to fun. And and I think that's because, you know, academically fun, you know, is approached with some whimsy. um, And again, there's not, you know, good instruments currently to, uh, uh, and I think that's because it happens in the moment. You know, um, again, most of what we look it in psychology tends to be um, our subjective measure of what happened in the past. Um, but it is clear that especially with the aging well, a lot of um, uh, people sort of need to be uh, recalibrated with what fun is. There was a great article that I can provide, um, you know, for the blog notes that, um, uh, you know, just indicated by the reporter um, that there are no real experts in fun because it's not something that has sort of been prioritized. But I think what is important, um, you know, with regards to stats is the fact for the first time, the World Health Organization is identifying employee burnout as a significant problem in society, Mm -hmm. not just in the U.S., but across the globe, right? And so, um, you know, it's one thing to build resilience, um, but resilience requires space. You know, again, we can circle back to the idea that we all only have 168 hours um, within a week, um, and, you know, it's up to us to decide how we spend that. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of this kind of 10x, you know, hustle porn society that we have, um, fun is getting crowded out. And I think, you know, um, myself and others are now sort of at the forefront to point out, like, look, fun really has a place in our society. And we've sort of crowded it out because, again, you know, that the, the um, pot of gold at the end is allegedly only there for hustlers, but we're now quickly finding out that, um, you know, what we're elevating are these outlier stories of the champion. And for, for most of us, you know, just grinding it out and not creating opportunities for fun in life are leading to these dire consequences. And burnout, um, you know, is a very significant problem because that correlates with, you know, physical health problems once you get to that state. Um, and another thing that I know you touched on on a lot of your episodes you know, is a decrease in empathy. So during mm-hmm. my doctoral work, I was working with physician burnouts, and that's one of 
you know, the biggest consequences once a physician gets burnt out um, is they lose empathy for the patients. And we do know that a lack of empathy correlates with terrible patient outcomes. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I know I, I know I flipped your question on its head. No, but, but think, that's bad um, all around. Yeah, I, yeah, I hear you. Mm. Um, well, maybe we can talk about some solutions. And um, in the context of how positive psychology may have gotten a few things wrong, like you mentioned that in the beginning, I'm curious about that. Um, what what has been tweaked since the uh, the birth of this positive psychology movement? What and and what do we need to be aware of? You mentioned the rumination of, um, like you said, not it's not good for everyone. I think before we started to do these gratitude journals because they're ruminating and going back to um, past hurts or whatever. It's not good for everybody. So maybe touch on that a little bit, and then what are some of the solutions for us to? move into a better, more fun existence. Yeah, so um, there are two main things that sort of need, need to be course corrected, right? So let me walk back a little bit that gratitude journaling is, um, uh, doesn't have its place. So I think what we've now found when it was initially, you know, sort of elevated by um, folks that took the science and then sort of brought it to the self-help community was this idea that you need to find three things a day. And I'm not quite sure how, you know, that's actually a good, I'll make a note to myself to figure out how, you know, sometimes sort of like the eight glasses of water, when people have tried to do their due diligence on where that came from, um, that's a great one, right? Because no one really knows where eight glasses of water came from. Really? Huh. Yeah. Um, I, it's still great to drink water, but that particular recommendation is a great example of where people think it's rooted in science and, and no one can figure out where that came from. Okay. Um, uh, so again, I don't, um, I can't give you hard facts on where three came from. What I can say based on the science that I know is we now know it's better to look for one thing, um, mainly because finding three things a day to be grateful for, if you're, if you don't have a genetic predisposition for looking for that kind of stuff is arduous and can really, you know, sort of erode like, wow, you know, think about that, right? For two mm -hmm. weeks, you're looking for 42 things to be grateful. And if you can't find it, then all of a sudden, uh, you know, sort of the mindset is there must be something wrong for me because everyone else is able to find this, right? Yeah, so yeah. finding, you know, 14 things, um, did I get that math right? Yeah, 21, uh, 42. So finding 14 <laughs> things to be grateful for, uh, uh, you know, it is a little bit um, better. And then the idea of savoring those moments um, is absolutely, that's really grounded in science. And so, um, you know, I think, again, gratitude journaling has its place, but this idea, you know, to find three things a day was just too much and ended up, um, you know, we have empirical evidence to show that it can be harmful. Then I think sending people off on pursuits of happiness, um, you know, with the pure goal of being happy, has now shown to be harmful to people that might have, um, you know, uh, clinical conditions where mm -hmm. that is elusive. Because again, it's um, leading people down towards um, helplessness. And so, ironically, I'm sure you know this from, you know, being a connoisseur of uh, positive psych as well. Um, you know, Seglaman's roots. You know, the person that you know penned authentic happiness and brought a lot of cheeks at me high's work mm -hmm. um, to the masses. You know, his uh, foundational work is actually on learned helplessness, right? And, and so, um, you know, this idea that, you know, if we're continually reminded that we might be helpless, 
um, with regards to a specific condition, um, that sort of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. And so those two tenets are things that, um, you know, uh, mindful academics are trying to course correct. Good. Yeah, it becomes the elephant in the room. Uh, they, um, you you have a pretty cool uh, article in on your website where you quote Albert Einstein as saying creativity is intelligence having fun, and um, I think I love that because for me, I love to come up with new ideas for having fun, and I feel I am very creative, and I love creativity in any form, like making these podcasts makes me so happy. I just love editing the podcast, putting music, talking to you is fun. I mean, everything about this creative of creative endeavor of making this podcast is fun for me. Um, but when I, when it comes to my life and my husband, for example, our kids are grown and, um, yeah, we, I'm not saying we don't have fun, but we do get into these ruts, these repetitive patterns. And sometimes it's hard to come up with, to be creative about how, how, what, what we can do to just have some fun. Like we've been thinking about going on vacation, but we haven't honed in on where we want to go. And, um, you know, just like daily, even daily things, which I'm going to ask you about at the end. So maybe, maybe this is too broad. So no, <laughs> take, fine. take it wherever you want like it to go. It. <laughs> okay, go. Um, no, so I think that's, you know, one of the things that I sort um, it's not on my website yet, but that, that's um, material for the book is this idea of a fun file. Um, you know, oh, so that fun I, file. Your... I love it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting um, run right now. <laughs> fun file. <laughs> cool. Yeah, because, you know, it's a great, you know, especially, um, so there are a few things there to unpack, right? Um, there's definitely opportunities all over the place. Um, as close as Google to figure out opportunities, um, you know, to do something outside of, um, you know, comfort zone, that's a bit of a cliche, but outside of your normal uh, habitual behavior, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, there's several things you can do. Um, One is to look at, uh, you know, it's the one time where I might suggest looking at the rearview mirror and try and identify things that brought you joy that maybe, you know, because of life happenstance or whatever, um, you know, it is elusive now. Um, and, uh, you know, so there are all sorts of anecdotes, um, uh, you know, in different scenarios where that would play. A lot of it could be, you know, potentially like one would be someone that really liked gymnastics and they were a competitive gymnastics um, uh, competitor. But then because of an injury, um, they just put it away, right? And uh, they sort of had to mourn that ability that they couldn't compete anymore. Um, But later in life realized that, you know, it's something they really want to do. And they figure because it brought them a lot of joy, not just competing, but actually, you know, the opportunity to, um, you know, engage in that activity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so they figure out, uh, you know, what is it that can provide that so that's one. Another yoga. Is just, I'm just going to say yoga. Yoga. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> yep. Um, I teach yoga. So. Enough. No, but so uh, that I think because one of my early mentors um, is a gentleman by the name of Michael Gervais, who was, uh, you know, kind of set me on this path, to be quite honest. And he's specialized now on sports psychology. But I think that's really important. Um, you know, I don't want to geek out too much on my affinity uh, for sports. <laughs> oh, do. Geek I, out. 
Let your freak flag fly. Go, well, Mike. I mean, I, it's very topical, right? Like we know, yeah. um, you know, during the NBA playoffs uh, uh, or the finals, rather, this, you know, we had two key players that went out with injuries that likely will change the trajectory of their professional career. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean if you find enjoyment? You know, my own personal story, um, running was very therapeutic for me. A lot of the times it's how I relieve stress. And then I lost that ability. To be quite honest, I'm not uh, someone that enjoys cycling culture um, for whatever reason to me. And again, this is very, this is my perspective. So if there's any cyclists listening in, I don't want to offend them. But, you know, for me, running meant a $400 a year investment, right? I needed to get, yeah. you know, three or four different kicks, um, kicks meaning sneakers, and I could just go do it wherever I was. If I was yeah. on vacation, on a business trip. Um, I tried to assimilate myself, you know, because cycling is a necessarily necessary evil if you want to do Ironmans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, you know, that idea that uh, at least the cohort that I was trying to integrate myself in in the Los Angeles area, you know, it's all about, you know, your $3,000 uh, wheels or, you, you know, your new $500 saddle. And, yeah. Um, so I just, you know, that type of investment and, and um uh, both emotionally and, you know, from a monetary standpoint, didn't work. But when I lost my hip, uh, you know, impact sports were out. And so uh, I have now invested on, in a Peloton. Um, and I will tell you, uh, you know, I have, uh, you know, re-engaged in cycling. And oh, good. On that Peloton. Oh, um, good. I'm so glad to hear that. I've been looking at a Peloton for about a year and I haven't gone ahead with it because I just haven't. So maybe I'll do that. How about swimming? You you do Ironman. Are you a good swimmer? Yeah. So for me right now, again, and I know we're going to touch at it towards the end. I'm not, but I enjoy swimming would be second out of you know the triad mm-hmm. of, uh, of activity in the triathlon. Um, for me, uh, you know, as I'm waiting activities that bring me joy the setup um and uh, time involved in getting to do that activity yeah um, for me isn't the joy that it brings out um, so that will probably change once i have kids yeah the kids um, get older dad, you have more time yeah 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 because it just seems to me like um you know again another reason that i always uh levitated more towards running than cycling was again running was a 30-minute activity that I could start the second I wanted to engage in right. it and finish this, you know, basically um, when I was ready to end. And, um, and so that's a nice, you know, you, to use your terminology, that the Peloton cycling hack is the Peloton sits right next to my bed, you know, to use some of the behavioral science from BJ Fogg and others, right? I've made, you know, the distance between deciding to exercise yeah. and actually exercising as short as you can get. And I can roll off and just jump on, on um, you know, and, uh, That's and so awesome. it's great. That's awesome. Cause I can, I can procrastinate with the best of us. I put on my running clothes, my running shoes early in the morning. And sometimes it's like two o'clock in the afternoon. I still haven't gone. So I'm a good running procrastinator, but once I do it, I love it. And, but swimming is a great lifetime sport anyway. So, um, yeah, cool, cool. So where uh, were we going other, with that? Go ahead. There were so many places to go. So I apologize. Yeah. I didn't really stay on the rails you know, with regards to how you increase your options, mm-hmm. because I think that is a very important concept. Uh, you know, it's one that I'm researching quite a bit, but there are just so many different opportunities. I, I think one that's, you know, I can say very concisely that I um, uh, adopted from folks that travel hack 
is that you can use the same travel hacking uh, uh, systems and you know basically points on credit cards to do all sorts of entertaining stuff. And so uh, you know you uh, provided a specific use case. If you have any sort of reward cards, which generally you know most people um, you know within our our cohort of age does, you can entertainment shop with your points, especially if mm-hmm. you know oh, for a lot of us those points just accumulate and we don't really know what to do with them. You know, we're talking about like VIP concerts, you know, opportunities to go to comedy clubs, um, and it's just a really sort of under the radar thing that a lot of these credit card companies do that you know people that are power users you know take advantage of. But when you introduce someone and go, oh wait, I, I this isn't just for hotels and um, airline. You know, they're like almost. You know, I'll, I'll check in with them and two weeks later, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I just went to the most amazing concert, and I can't believe it." You know, Amex had a, a, a deal with them, and we got front row seats or whatever it is. So that's another kind of cool thing. You know, especially if you're not aware of that. Very cool. Um, and then yeah. you then you're kind of letting uh, there's a little bit of mystery involved. Like you can let the somebody else decide like here here are my options instead of having you know the world of options that we have you have a a list of options i do that sometimes i have airline points and hotel points and i can sometimes just pick a place and we'll go and and it feels good because we're not really paying for it (laughs) exactly when you saw two things too right like so this one it's you know you're getting kind of it fresh off my head because i i want to make sure before it makes the book um, that I'm really thinking through all the ethical um, concepts of scarcity, but the fact is, scarcity is an ingredient in the fun, mm-hmm. right? And so, sure. like, you know, knowing that you're getting sort of the VIP treatment, which most of these packages provide you, like that just increases fun. We know that. The problem with me is that I want to make sure that everything that I'm kind of putting out there in the ether, you know, isn't so exclusive that it's not accessible to everyone. So bear with me as I formulate those ideas, right? Because mm, sure. not everyone can be front row at Taylor Swift. And for me, that feels a little bit grimy. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not perfect yet because, again, I want happiness and fun to be accessible to all. Right. all. But right now we know that, it, you know, exclusivity um, does, you know, increase our enjoyment a lot. But then also um, the other part, which isn't as, you know, ethically challenged, um, is that it limits our choices, right? So I think a lot of people, as you mentioned, when they get into that, you, you know, paradox of choice is a thing, right? And so it's nice when someone's like, here are the 12 things that you can do in June, uh, um, rather than, oh my gosh, what, you know, what are we going to do? Or right. you just kind of get stuck, right? Well, that's a good segue to, uh, maybe we should talk a little bit about fun that is free. Because <laughs> there, there are a lot of fun things to do that are free, getting out in nature, gathering with loved ones and friends, giving back volunteering can be very fun and very gratifying um creativity painting doing again there's too many things to list (laughs) so um (laughs) there's a lot of free fun out there we just have to kind of um like you said build our file i guess build our fun file absolutely i think fun and contribution um it's important enough that it's getting a whole chapter in the book and it's clear that fun has a place um with regards to contribution, um, it is always a win-win situation. Uh, you know, when charitable events are fun, uh, you know, they see uh, less attrition, you know, the next year, and they generally see um, donations and giving going up. 
Um, and, and then another thing that I like to do personally, um, you know, is find opportunities to contribute, but then that also provides you access, you know, into an opportunity for fun um, later on. And then certainly um, another Can area that I touch on, you know, a, a group that does fun exceptionally well um, in a way that also contributes to um, self-actualization mm -hmm. is um, team and training. Oh, right? yeah. Keep, yeah. So they're a great example of combining, you know, fun, friendship, community, community. Um, mm -hmm. with contribution. Yeah. Team and training, if you haven't heard of it, is uh, you train for a race together and then you raise funds for different organizations, um, a lot of cancer organizations, right? Yep. So I've done that. Cool, cool. How? What do you do where your kids are getting to that age of a preschooler? In the summer, you know, we hear that quintessential, <laughs> mommy, I'm bored. I don't know. I can't tell you how, how often I heard that when my kids were growing up. And I always uh, remembered my great aunt Sally, who um, she used to be so frustrated with us as kids. She would be so frustrated when we would say we were bored because she said there's so much to do and she said just go outside and smell the flowers and smell the laundry on the line back then they hung their laundry on the clothesline <laughs> so um how about with kids and and raising them to take responsibility for their own um you know well-being i guess it boils down to their well-being their happiness their joy Not I mean, you're opening the door for an important concept, right? There's really three main pitfalls that I see, um, you know, that you need to be mindful of when we're looking at fun as, as, you know, either an intervention or, you know, an opportunity to increase our well-being. And, and the lack of boredom um, is definitely um, an issue for children. So it's, a, you know, thank you for bringing this up. Um, a lot of times I actually encourage my children to be bored um, because there are just too many opportunities. We, I mean, that's another area that's well researched and you know, um, you know, information on it is widely disseminated. That we are definitely overprescribing our children, right? So, I see, you know, one of the solutions that parents take um, is jam packing their summer with so many activities that by the time they get home, they just, you know, drop down. down asleep because they're so exhausted mm -hmm. um, and I think we do need to create these opportunities where um, children can you know use their own creativity and uh, you know, innovative juices to figure out you know what fun means for them rather than sticking you know a screen in front of them you know with sort of the variable reward of the next YouTube video that will definitely you know uh, sedate them and pacify them them, but isn't necessarily, you know, leading to any sort of fulfillment, um, you know, and the, and the summer becomes an empty pastime. So to answer your question specifically, you know, even though it can be uncomfortable, I think that is one of the aspects where you don't take the easy road, you know, you do, you know, take the sage wisdom of uh, uh, your mother and um, say, you know, you need to figure out what that is. Um, but you can certainly provide toys and opportunities to foster fun um, mm -hmm. you know we tend to do that I'll provide you know whether it's building blocks or you know maybe empty water balloons so it still requires you know you're not doing everything for them but you're providing the tools so that they can engage in the activity that um, brings them joy um, you know those are all things that we do to orchestrate 
uh, fun experiences for our children. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's the simplest thing. You remember growing up, an empty refrigerator box or an empty box became, you know, uh, the best play, the best toy. We could build a house, we could build a fort, we could do, you know, the easy, the simplest things uh, open doors for, you know, endless play and fun. So, you know, in research with the book, I've really been studying on the, the, the difference, you know, between uh, childhood play and adult play, because certainly, you know, um, again, we discussed it in the first half that, you know, play is, is an element of our lives as adults, um, that used to be more prevalent that just isn't now. Um, but with children, it's still there. And the benefit that they have when children play, um, you know, is that they're inventive, right? And so another opportunity, you know, I have the benefit of having, you know, two children, but, you know, you can set up play dates or, or whatever, is that is where we build our social skills, right? You provide to your, you know, to use your um, example of, of a, a cardboard box, uh, you know, you give two kids that and you can watch them devise and communicate and cooperate, you know, on how exactly they're going to um, subjectively create a game or an opportunity to use that box in a playful way. Mm -hmm. And so working with folks like, you know, um, children's museums and science centers, and then I just had a reconnected with an old um, friend, that an old colleague who is now just doing some amazing nonprofit work, um, recreating um, playgrounds in New Orleans, um, her name's Angela Kyle. I'll give her a quick plug. It's called Play Build. She's doing amazing stuff. Um, you know, you watch kids, and they don't need instructions on what to do, right? They'll figure it out. It might take some time, but they'll figure it out. Without fail, every adult goes, what am I supposed to do with this box? You know, because we don't have, have that anymore, you know? And, We've lost uh, it. We need instructions, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> this is a box. What am I supposed to do with it? <laughs> like, oh. And uh, so... I mean, to encourage that in children so we don't lose it because we are, you know, uh, you know, trading babysitters for iPads and, and iPhones is just so important. So, right. you know, to kind of close the loop on, on this particular piece of our discussion, I think, you know, making sure that kids do have those opportunities to be a little bit bored and figure out what they're going to do with themselves is so important. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, it kind of makes me want to go and um, get a big box and yeah. <laughs> make a fort. Hey, can before know, we get into the life hacks, can we talk about game nights? Do you are you a game player? My husband doesn't really like games, so I I I love getting together with people and just playing games. Are you? Yeah, I think for me, um, I like uh, you know mystery theater. So those. Um, oh, types. interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, my confession, I think I told you, now that we're East Coasters ourselves, I don't have a ton of friends here. So um, I think my opportunity for that, uh, my connection to my friends back in the Bay Area are concerts. Mm -hmm. um, and so I am fortunate enough that uh, my day job takes me back um, to California one week out of the month. And so I'm very deliberate about uh, um, finding, uh, you know, what concerts available and, uh, you know, trying to pick a friend and, um, or, or multiple friends, you know, more the merrier and go see a show. So, yeah. um, I think game nights are great. My specific, you know, sort of, um, uh, pastime as it were, uh, is, um, concerts, but, um, I think game nights are great. Again, mystery theaters, I, I find a ton of joy in there. Um, so cool. Uh, there I, must be some I, in North Carolina mystery theaters. 
I would think. Yeah, well, I'll have to find them. Yeah. I think uh, my wife and I really love comedy. So mm-hmm. uh, when we have had those opportunities to, you know, um, uh, have, uh, you know, to escape the triad, uh, um, you know, we'll go and see a good comedy show. We just saw Lewis Black. He was amazing. Um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, I do love games. I think uh, another thing that I, uh, you know, have kind of fallen in love with, but I've only done it two times in the last two years, escape rooms. So I would put that in the category of games as well. Oh, I don't know about that. Have you that. tried an escape room? No. Okay, That's... so you put that on your list since you're looking for things to do. That sounds scary. Because if you like game night, escape rooms are sort of like game night on steroids. Oh my gosh, that sounds scary. Okay, here's what sounds fun to me. That fly zone place where you can um, sort of fly in the air where they they zero gravity you, that sounds fun. Um, the game that I like, going back to game nights, Code Words, it's my new favorite game. Um, and I just love belly laughs, just good belly laughs, just like being really silly and laughing for no reason. I, it's to me, that's the happiest I ever am. If I can just have a good belly laugh with a friend or a group. (laughs) So, so yeah. Another thing I approach skeptically and, you know, um, to, uh, you know, my enjoyment, actually this the science behind laughter and how it contributes to our well-being it's sound that's not one of those you know oh there's a few you know studies on um you know off-label journals with you know sample size of 14 i meant that it's well established how important laughter is um, to our well-being so it it doesn't surprise me at all that you find joy in that oh my gosh for me i'll find games again um you know right now it shoots them ladders because my list is four because <laughs> you, you know? have so to like, right yeah you need to get a little bit more sophisticated in our that game, is game as it were. <laughs> i was going to say speaking of belly laughs a few years ago when i first started the podcast i interviewed my friend who was a laugh they call it laugh a lot yoga or something anyway she's a laughter yoga teacher and she just works with people and um and they they laugh over like she teaches different techniques to get into that belly laugh thing and it's it's sort of contrived and it's um you know generated through this whole process but once you get doesn't matter how you get there and if you listen to that podcast there's no way you can listen to it without laughing this woman has a contagious <laughs> laugh and so laugh laugh a lot yoga or laugh a yoga or something like that anyway okay i gotta find escape rooms I got to create some time for belly laughs. I'm going to give myself a fun file. I'm going to make a file and start putting these ideas in there. So I have, when I'm not feeling creative, I can come up with something. What are some ideas that you have for simple hacks for um, improving our daily routines just to bring a little bit more fun in? Just just a few. Yeah. Um... Well, we covered a lot of them. So that's yeah, we news. did. I'm yeah, gonna... we did. So here I go. I'm saying, why do we always go for three? Give me one. <laughs> one is great. <laughs> no, no, I, I, have, I have a few more in the, okay, cool. in the bag of tricks. So um, when we're scheduling things, I think activity bundling is a big one. Um, you know, there's this idea that, especially if it's something that, um, like, let's say, so I'll use a real world example for me. You know, I've already shared my story. Um, after surgery and getting, you know, a hip replacement, um, you know, naturally I gained a lot of weight because most of my calorie deficits came from exercise. I didn't, I'm not one to change my diet because I find a lot of fun and joy in eating. Uh, me too. Um, me too. We didn't even <laughs> mention food. Oh my gosh. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And uh, so fun. Yeah, for another one, another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, um, the uh, so, uh, but I was finding it hard, you know, to sort of figure out what I wanted to do. And at the same time, um, before the injury, running was something that I was doing with my younger daughter as well. And so it was an opportunity for us to connect. We both, um, you know, found a lot of joy in running. Um, and now that had completely been taken away. But at the same time, um, my life was getting busier, especially, you know, supporting my wife's career, um, complicated things for me a little bit, which is fine. Um, but it did mean, you know, um, that some of the time I had in a given week, um, we, I, I was taken up by the orchestration of making sure um, that I paid homage to the fact that, you know, my California company was going to allow me to work remote. Um, and so what I did was, uh, long story short, bundle an activity. I knew that my daughter loved dancing and I knew that I wanted to um, lose weight. And I, you know, just kind of took the extra step and said, how could I create an opportunity for fun to achieve all of this? Um, and so um, my daughter and I ended up going to dance class together. I specifically found an instructor um, that would listen to the goals that I was trying to achieve. Like, you know, I don't want to just learn how to dance, um, but I want to use this opportunity to connect with my daughter. She likes hip hop dancing. It's not necessarily something I incredibly enjoy, but any kind of dancing with my daughter yeah. is a fun thing for me. And I want to also, you know, have it somewhat aerobic because I'm trying to lose weight. Um, and so, yeah, now me and my daughter are hip hop dancers. Oh, so that's I, awesome. Did you have a recital? Yeah. Uh, no, I think that's a, it's it's an ongoing journey. Again, you've now gotten two sneak peeks into things that are coming. Yeah. So, so we might tell our story a little bit, um, uh, a little bit later down the road. But um, yeah, I think you know the nugget there, right? Is there are things that might that we might want to prioritize, like weight loss for me, but it could be anything for your listener. Mm-hmm. And how could we bundle that activity with something that brings us a lot more joy? Um, I, I think an anecdote that you brought up was um, you wanted to reconnect with your husband, right? And right. So, so that's, you know, you could, there are all sorts of opportunities to do that. Some are going to not be fun and some are. Um, and so you can have a bias towards fun um, when you look at something like that. And so uh, it's not necessarily a hack per se, but I think really auditing um, your 168 hours in a given week, just like you would a food journal, you know, Mm -hmm. if you were trying to be more mindful of the nutrition that you're putting in your body and look for those opportunities um, to have a bias towards fun, um, you know, is, is a strategy. Um, another strategy or, you know, uh, hack is, um, if you are in something habitual, like in the, in your current state, uh, that used to bring you a lot of joy, but now you're just doing it because you're doing it, Mm -hmm. perhaps take a break so you I, I think because you brought up yoga um, at least once if not a, a couple of times that's probably something that's enjoyable for you correct so far yeah <laughs> uh, so um, well let's take the example then um, of someone that's habitually done it for 10 years and now maybe it's just you know I do it because it's part of my routine maybe cross training with something else like Pilates or you know you know a dance or whatever it is just as a two-month hiatus and then going back to yoga and what we see is that by taking small breaks from something that we used to find a lot of enjoyment that now seems more routine, you get the enjoyment right back. Mm. And so that's another neat little hack, um, you know, that 
the specific study, and again, I can, I can send it to you if you want to put it in the, um, in, in the podcast notes, uh, was done with chocolate. So it was people that uh, habitually enjoyed chocolate responsibly, um, but that had kind of lost, you know, that joy. Um, you know, you wanted a food example, so now I'm giving you one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they just took a hiatus from chocolate uh, for a month. Um, went back to eating chocolate and once again enjoyed it. So I think that's another little, you know, a hack that you wouldn't necessarily think about that's actually pretty powerful when put into practice. Yeah, kind of redefines the idea of um, in the Christian faith, which I was brought up in the Episcopal Church, uh, Lent, like giving up something. It kind of uh, flips that in a, lets you look at it in a different way. So it's cool. Not, instead of deprivation, it's more like a, a re- appreciation from um oh this has been such a good conversation thank you so much i needed this my summer will be better because of it and i look forward to reading your book when it comes out so if we if if everyone is wanting to keep track of you give us your website and um the way we can um access all your great information and watch out for the book that's coming on oh thank you so much yeah so just michaelrecker.com um you know, like any good marketer, there are plenty of opportunities that should be easily accessible to sign up for, for my newsletter. Um, and, you know, I'm actually pretty prudent about not over-messaging people. I only put it out four times a year, but, um, you know, try to provide really valuable content about fun on that. And then also as um, we lead up to the book launch, there'll be plenty of information in there. Um, and then all my social channels are available, you know, in the footer for okay. my website as well. Cool. Yeah, your website is fun in itself. So, um, so are you in near Charlotte in North Carolina? I, I'm about an hour away. So okay. I'm in the Triad area. So Charlotte is south, and then um, the Triangle is to my right. Okay. So um, my daughter is playing Elsa in Frozen starting next year, and they are coming to Charlotte. So you need to bring your daughter to or oh my gosh, both absolutely. kids um, and her husband's in it too he plays the bad guy Hans I don't think they've announced it yet but um, he plays the good guy that turns bad guy so so that's fun go see Frozen oh gosh, amazing. And here, here so, let it go so Another. <laughs> yeah. my daughter got her first part ever yesterday she's um, chorus girl number 5 in Mary Poppins so oh, somewhere, right? <laughs> how fun yes now see that brings so much joy just watching your kids do that kind of stuff so and and um express themselves creatively creatively and she can is, is it going to be a hip-hop mary poppins no that one, <laughs> that's just for us right now <laughs> cool all right well thanks for this conversation um i look forward to sharing this podcast with everyone and just having more fun so have a great summer mike thanks for this you too, connie thank you for the opportunity to share i really, sure. really appreciate it. I do too.